Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sauteed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Get cooking at beefitswhatsfordinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Well, and welcome to Sunday Coffee. And it is a spike the football Sunday morning here in these Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Hey, late night last night, early morning this morning. Charlie, looking back at the game last night, some guys are very comfortable in their own skin, and they won't be double-jointed in their elbows of patting themselves on the back. But not us. Not us this morning. This morning's a morning where you just kind of, as we said, spiked the football. Absolutely. This was a huge win, and – and this isn't inventing it after the fact. We said on Friday this was arguably the biggest game in Mike Leach's tenure at Mississippi State to this point. And why do you say it? Matt makes a good point. Well, you won at Texas A&M. How are you going to say this is bigger? Look, this is the number 12 team in the country where, who was 6-1 coming in. And above all else, what do you want to do? You want to be bowl eligible. You want to see progress with this football team. And I'll, I'll just, I just want to say it so easy as a fan to be frustrated in look witness my twitter timeline last night because the officiating crew and i did not see eye to eye on rules or applications thereof but do they ever not really well it's just that some people in I'm, some groups take a special vigor into disagreeing <laughs> with me and that's what i'd say about this group but so i understand frustration but here's what i'd say if you can't see the progress well I don't want to sound like Croom here, you know, kids the prior to bond. But look, man, this team's getting better. And we didn't play a perfect ball game last night. No. We were good, but we, we weren't perfect. And we beat a ranked team by two touchdowns. Be happy. Out of the last 13 times we played Kentucky, we won 10, okay? When you play 10, T-I-N, when you play a cross-division rival, and that's the team that's on your schedule every year, to be able to do that 10 of the last 13 times. And you spoke of Sylvester Croom. That's the last time we lost at home against Kentucky was 2008, 14-13. And so taking care of business at home is always big, especially in this game. Now, the home team has won and rotated since 2015 now. But you got to hold serve at home. And I think that's why it was so important last night because it was a home game. And two, it gives you five wins. And now Tennessee State looming down the line, you pretty much set yourself up. You don't want to put anything, you know, in the win column yet. But if we lose to Tennessee State, we got problems. But then all of a sudden, then you're bolt. Well, they're better than Vanderbilt. Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> That's 12 times in a row that you're going to a bowl game. But let's save that for another day and look back at last night. And some of the numbers that we talked about on Friday kind of came to fruition last night. Well, it didn't kind of. They hit because when you looked at this game and you saw the recipes for Kentucky to win this game, I just thought we were a better football team coming in. But as we said yesterday, Charlie, in the pregame show, just because you're a better football team doesn't mean you're going to win. I could have seen Kentucky winning by three touchdowns last night. I could have seen us. We almost did win by three touchdowns last night. We had to bring it off the board late. And anything in between could have happened. 
But looking back at Friday and the numbers that we talked about coming into this game, I thought they were all real big, and I thought they all kind of played the part of us winning the game last night. All right, so let's go through your three numbers in the ball game. You know, I've got my three, but we'll stay true to our formula from Friday. You had your three numbers first. And I think they all hit, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. That was the first time this year that, that we, we've hit those all three at one time. And the first one was I said we could not have more than 10 missed tackles because we had a good week last week against Vanderbilt. But if you start looking back to Alabama, Texas A&M, and some of our bigger games against some physical teams that were running the football, we have missed some tackles. And what would Kentucky – benefit from the most last night is breaking a play 10 yards down the field and all of a sudden getting, you know, 25, 30 yards on a carry. We needed to minimize missed tackles. And how many missed tackles we have last night? Was it nine, seven? I think it was eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about the Alabama no, game. Seven. 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 We had to minimize missed tackles against Alabama in the secondary, and we missed 10 in the secondary that night. This is the fewest missed tackles we've had, save for Vanderbilt, who basically just falls down if you look at them. I mean, take two, away that game. Two this and is touch. The, the best we've done in terms of tackling. The second number I had is we needed three drives in the first half of at least eight plays. Now there's another hit. We had three drives in the first half of eight plays, at least eight plays. And you had a seven on top of that. So if you look at your possessions in the first half, right, you go punt on a seven-play drive. Then you go eight plays, eight plays, nine plays. 17 points right there, too. One field goal, two touchdowns. And what does that do? It keeps Kentucky off the field. Now, little did we know what was going to happen in the third quarter about keeping Kentucky off the field. I thought just staying on the field and not letting them get in any kind of rhythm whatsoever offensively last night. And you credit your defense, too. You got Kentucky off the field, but we were able to stay on the field. That was such a big key. Kentucky had the football less than six minutes in the whole second half. That is crazy. We had a 24-minute, 18-second to 5-minute, 42-second advantage. Kentucky in the fourth quarter – had it two minutes and two seconds. You can't come back if you don't have the ball. That's that's crazy. And it's so anti what we tend to think about with Mike Leach, right? We tend to have this idea that this offense can't run out the clock. Wrong. That, yeah. We, we did it. We held the ball over 24 of the 30 minutes of the second half yesterday. And like I said, it goes back to more than just one thing. It wasn't just us staying on the field. It was our defense getting big plays, our defense getting Kentucky off the field, whether it be a three and out or forcing them out on third down or getting a turnover. That's one of the things we did last night is we forced turnovers. Three interceptions. Some of those, Charlie, you credit to the defensive line and the pressure that you get up front. You got Will Levis, the quarterback for Kentucky, with happy feet at times last night. His timing was not good. And so you, you just can't give the interceptions to the guys in the secondary, even though I thought the Jalen Green interception was big. I thought the Sean Preston interception on that first drive was massive after Martin Emerson was gone for the game. But, yeah, I said you needed some big drives in the first half, and we hit there. The second thing we talked about was – you had to limit yourself to one field goal if you got in the red zone, and, and we did that. You got one. Got one, and that was first drive of the third quarter, and, and you know we scored a touchdown, and that was a unbelievable flag toss by the back judge. 
20 yards down the field on the holding. Then you had a legal procedure, but then you got it back down inside. the. We had, like, first and goal from the 25. And then you got it back down, you kicked the field goal. We did everything we could do in that drive to not score, but we ended up kicking the field goal. But that was the only time you didn't finish in the red zone last night. We said we needed touchdowns coming into this game, and you couldn't bog down because we had done that against good defenses or decent defenses this year. We had bogged down in the red zone. We didn't bog down in the red zone last night. No, we did not. And, look, we had to make a big-time throw to get it back down to the six. You know, we were – one of the other things kind of coming off that we talked about, this team doesn't play well behind the chains. You pointed out a stat last night. What were you on third and short last night? Third and one to four, we were six for six. And then when you start looking at third downs and five – to eight, we were 0 for 2. And then after that, we were like 1 for 4. So we only had success last night in third downs when it was, you know, third and less than four. So that so staying ahead of the chains was so big. And we talked about that going in too, Charlie, is this was not the night you could be third down and 13 with Kentucky's pass rush. Now, I will say this. I know we gave up a couple sacks in there. But most of those, or those were coming off the edge in blitz situations. I thought for the most part, and I haven't looked at the grades of our offensive linemen, we didn't have as many hurries last night. I thought we did a great job. I thought we did a great job of keeping their front line off of Will Rogers. We did. Um, he was hurried five times in the ball game. and That's insane. That's yeah. insane. With the Kentucky front line to be hurried five times, hey, Hats off to the guys up front. It only hit once other than the two sacks. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to speak very highly of Will today, but he did make some mistakes in the first half. Those two sacks, actually, those are on him uh, in terms of holding the football. It just took a little bit too long, but he made the adjustment. And I'm, I'm going to table that because I have a few thoughts there. But let's take a look. You you had your three numbers. Again, what were they? We, we The number of missed tackles. Yep, ten missed tackles three drives of at least eight plays, and then one field goal in the red zone. Hey, before you go there, let's remind everybody, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. Check them out. Favorites.com. They have agents all over the state of Mississippi. And if that's the great thing about a Farm Bureau, having guys all across the state of Mississippi. If you have problems, you got somebody you can call. And the best insurance but the best service with your insurance. So go with the home team at Farm Bureau, and I have my tall boy cup of coffee this morning. Charlie does as well from Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, bringing you our Sunday coffee, three locations, one on University Drive. That's the one I go to. Charlie goes to the Highway 12, the old original Strange Brew, and then you have Strange Brew in Tupelo. They have Churn and, Scr- Churn and Spoon ice cream here in Startville as well. So Strange Brew, if you're drinking coffee, and let me tell you this, we did not start winning and not start playing well until Mike Leach started drinking Strange Brew coffee at the press conference. That's when it all turned for us right there. And so drink what the pros drink, Strange Brew coffee. All right, what were your numbers, Charlie? I want to tell you, the people at Strange Brew weren't that happy to see me this morning. We're going to peel back the – let's just peel back the curtain here a little bit, okay? We're we're here in the Farm Bureau studios early this morning, right? Yeah, and I appreciate that, Charlie. And we're here early this morning, and I, I want you to educate – Young Sims Gregory on something for me, okay? Uh, 
because you got to, first of all, you're decked out in your New Orleans Saints gear. I'm headed to New Orleans right now. Okay. That's the reason we're here so early this morning. And I'm, hey, I'm very appreciative. Thank and, you. This is all about you. But and Sims needs to get home and all that. I want you to tell Sims something for me. And that's my friend Tommy Noose talks about this concept of oil field justice. All right, and oil field <laughs> justice has to sometimes you just handle stuff out in the field. Just just let Sims know. Next time he rolls up in here, having to get home by about 8.30, we're going to have some oil field justice. Okay. Well, Sims needs some oil field justice just about every <laughs> single day. The, the name might be new, but the concept <laughs> will be well ingrained by now is what you're telling me. All right, so you took a look at your three numbers. Here are mine, 130. I said we had to hold Kentucky to 130 rushing yards. We held them to half of that. And I just want to say that your face of frustration this morning toward me is absolutely phenomenal because I know deep down right now you are so aggravated that you had to get up here so early this morning so I could go to the Saints game. It's not a face of frustration. I can't see that far right now. <laughs> it's still really early. Um, yeah, we held them well, man. It, it's crazy how we held their rushing attack. And, Charlie, you saw coming out the first two plays. They're running power plays left side. I mean, they were trying to establish the run up front with their offensive line early. You know, they lost a total. Their net rushing outside the left end was negative three. That We did a great job on the right side of our defense stopping the run. The only success they had was at their right guard, right tackle spot. And we talked so much about Kennard. That, that guy's good. He graded out really well the ball game yesterday. But we did a really good job on the right side of our defense and then just overall stopping the run held them to 66 yards on 20 carries. And you go back and you say, well, what about sacks? Well, we didn't have any. That, that was it. I mean, that, that's not like they got 120 and we had some sacks and knocked some off. That's what they had. That That's a big-time defensive performance. Again, it gets to a team that wants to run the football. Yeah, we got pressure. And I know we didn't – you know, the sacks were not there. But he got hit a couple times early. And it's almost like, an, and I equate it so many times to a shot blocker in basketball, about taking a ball in there and getting that shot blocked early in the game, and then you're still thinking about it in the second half. And then you go in there and you put that shot up just a half count quicker than you normally would, and you miss the shot simply because the guy's presence was there. I thought that was the quarterback for Kentucky last night, Will Levis. He got hit early on, but then he just changed everything. And then he lost some confidence. He threw some balls early. He threw some balls late when guys were open earlier. His timing was messed up because I think the clock internally was clicking in his head last night really, really fast in the second and third quarter. Yeah, you go back and you look. He didn't have a ton of dropbacks, but he was under pressure 13 times. He was hurried 11. And so even though you weren't getting sacks, you were impacting things. Now, boy, we had another play where we were right there, right? You know, was that um, – had to have been Forbes, wasn't it? Yeah, we were right there at him. It was almost so the same carbon copy of what happened with Max Johnson against LSU when you had him. And then he breaks free, and then you're like, uh-oh, he's about to make something big happen. Now, I will say this. We talked about his elusiveness on Friday as well, about how he's a big guy, but he's not afraid to run it. I thought, and Charlie, if we'd have lost that game, 
my play of the game was going to be his scramble on third down, that first third down of the game where he scrambled and got the first down. And I was going to say that was going to be the play of the game had we lost because if he doesn't get that first down right there, then the whole thing of, of sequence, Martin Emerson stays the game yeah. because it happened right after that. Now, I go back to the point. If, if you want to call that targeting, that's fine. I understand that. But – Going back, to, and we've said this, we've said this for an Ole Miss player in an Ole Miss game. So that means that means that we really, really feel strongly about this, that targeting in the first half or targeting in the game, it just cannot. They have got to revisit this about it being an initial ejection from a game. All right, and, and so consider, Martin Emerson got ejected last night in the first drive of the football game on a live-action play. This wasn't this wasn't a dead ball penalty. It wasn't the let's tack on fifteen yards. The guy was making a football play in live time. And that is very difficult to do. We you know, you always talked about guys, you know, what are you telling get low, all these things. The guy's getting upfield to try to make a tackle. He lost nine percent of this year. If right, if you want to say you play twelve games, eight percent, eight and a half percent, I don't care. You get the idea. Eight and a half, nine percent of his season on one play. Johnny Manziel egregiously broke NCAA rules and lost half of that. Okay, I mean you got guys who have broken rules, who have gotten arrested, who have gone you know gone crazy, and they get half a game. You're talking about a guy making a football play who gets the entire game. Okay, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And and somebody on Twitter last night was giving me a hard time because I, I said I hated the rule. And they said, well, you'd hate even more football being shut down by concussions. I'm not cheering for concussions. I'm not cheering for head injuries. What I'm doing is giving college football players enough credit to think that you don't have to throw them out of a game to change behavior. You know, making a 30-yard penalty, I don't care. But ultimately, I think a couple of things. One, this disfavors the defensive players. How many times do you see a running back yeah. lower his head and get thrown out? Never. I, I mean, I don't remember it. No. I saw in the in pro football somebody get flagged for 15 yards, but I, I've never seen that. Then the other thing, and look, I'm a lawyer, but I hate lawyers, and, and here's one of the reasons. This whole rule and the failure of college football and the commissioners and all those people who impact these things, rules committees, what have you, to come up with a middle ground to this, throw them out for the drive, do something. Why on earth do we have to assume these kids are stupid and can't have their behavior modified with a regular penalty? I don't get it. But here's what it speaks to. These guys are so scared of lawyers and head injuries. I don't like head injuries either. Let me be very clear. But they want to be able to say we're being tough on crime. But I go back to your point. What is worse fundamentally to the integrity of the game? A guy trying to make a tackle where we got to go all the way to a video booth to break it down to decide if it was targeting or not? Or some guy just blatantly cheating or blatantly defying the rules or doing something completely illegal? It just it drives me nuts. Yep. I'm sorry. I got you away from your numbers. I took you down that rabbit hole, and I apologize. Well, you're susceptible this morning on the lack of sleep. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm a victim, really. 
So, all right, 130. We held them to 66. What's that? You're just a lawyer. Well, that too. Some days. Um, 130 yards, one to hold them to. We held them to 66. That's an amazing job by our defense. The second number I had was 23. I said the winner of this football game was going to hold its opponent under that number. I didn't expect us to score 31. Could have, should have, would have scored more. I'm not saying we left points on the field. Don't mean it that way. But our offense was pretty good last night. That's the most points that Kentucky's given up all year. Keep in mind they play Georgia. So we actually beat them by a fairly comparable score. So first team to go over 30. We held them under 23. So two for two there. And then my third number was one. And I said that was the number of Kentucky completions beyond 20 yards that we could allow. And what I meant by that was balls in the air that far. They were one of five. Had a pick down there. Now, boy, missed some guys. Yeah, he missed some guys, but I think a lot of that goes back to, Charlie, we said early on, and one of the reasons you said you can't have more than one is because that's not who they are. I mean, he's not a deep ball passer. Kentucky's not a deep ball passing team. We said you could ill afford for them to do something they're not used to doing. Now, they got the punt return touchdown. They got the outlier last night with the punt return touchdown. That scared me. And how many blocks in the back and how many holes did you have on that? But that's okay. It's beside the point. But Kentucky is not a team that has had success going over the top. Now, I tell you what, you, you dial it back another level where Levis has been good this year and his highest graded area is between 10 and 20 yards down the field. I thought last night, and I saw it, you could see it plain as day when we talked before the game about how the area that he is so good is very similar to Bryce Young at Alabama, 10 to 20 yards down the field in between the numbers. <laughs> one of three with a pick. One of three with a pick. And that one pick you could see last night. It's almost like, hey, I mean, we got analytics guys in our department too. We got scheme too. We got guys watching tape and understand where this guy is good. And you saw that last night. Wheat dropping back into that slant zone when you knew the slant was coming. And let me tell you something. Will Levis was going to throw that slant route. It didn't matter if he was covered with eight guys. He was locked in on him. And Wheat drops back, pass coverage, bats a ball in the air, and then you get the, the tip ball pick. That's a scout, man. That's a scout in knowing where they want to go in that situation, dropping a guy back to bat that ball up. That just tells you, man, that uh, that we kind of knew if they were going to beat us, it was going to be in that inter intermediate range in the middle of the field. Overall passing grade, you look at the NFL passer scoring. For Levis last night, 47. 47. Wow. And we did that without one of our better cornerbacks, right? We, we got a good play in the safeties yesterday, too, against the pass. I mean, we played very good in the secondary, I thought. Now, Again, he missed a couple, but I thought he missed a couple because of what you said. He was he was under duress and had to get rid of the football a lot. You know, we wondered going in about how good our cornerbacks would be. Wandale's so good on that outside for Kentucky. I mean, he's very good. We covered well to the corners. We covered well with our linebackers. But, Charlie, not only did you cover well with your linebackers and your safeties last night, your linebackers came up and made plays in a run game. You look at Jet Johnson with nine tackles last Good night. Heavens. You look at Nathaniel Buki Watson with five tackles last night. We didn't let them do anything on the screens, and a lot of that had to do with our linebackers getting out there. Absolutely. I mean, this is a team that threw 14 screens against Georgia. You knew coming in, 
they were going to try to take some pressure off of Levis and maybe throw that screen route. They didn't throw it near as much last night just because we defended the heck out of it. They threw four and for 22 yards. Yeah, that's – and one of them was a long. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that's what drove that average number out a little bit is they broke a tackle or, or got it in space one time. But for the most part, man, I tell you what, our linebackers are getting better and – they were not bad to start with. But you look up and down. This is one of those days where you look at the defensive stats, and it's kind of like that night in basketball where you play extremely well, and then you look at the stat sheet, and you're like, well, nobody's numbers just jump out at you and go crazy. I mean, it was just that night where you may have a guy have 15 and a guy have 14 and a guy have 13 and a guy has nine, and you look and see, man, that's a great team effort. Jed Johnson led the way with nine tackles last night. Nine, and then Forbes had six. Nathaniel Watson had five. And so you look at this any other time of year, and you say, man, you know, that ain't great. But you look at last night, you talk about a total effort on the defensive side. It was outstanding. Cam Young in the middle, four tackles last night in the solo, had an interception. Jalen Green had an interception. That was big. Sean Preston we talked about. That was a huge interception. And our guys were fresh defensively. That matter. We weren't out there for long periods of time. We did not have a defender yesterday reach 50 plays. I mean, you kept your guys fresh. And what was the thing we were worried about? That Kentucky was going to control the ball. That our defense would be out there. That our defense would be tired. It was the exact opposite. I go back to, we talked about this on the pregame show yesterday. I thought this was going to be a ball game that was one up front. I thought this was going to be a ball game that was going to be physical, never mind all the throwing. I thought it was, and I thought our defense was, man, they were there for it. You look at at players that we thought going in were going to be an effective part of the game. I talked about Will Levis, and we've talked about him this morning, about how he kind of got after him and he made some bad throws and he was not as successful in his targeted areas that he's normally good at. I also said that you had to worry about that nose guard position for Kentucky because last year they got pressure out of the nose guard. How many pressures did our two guards and center combine for in that game yesterday? In terms of allowing, I think one. One allowed pressure up the middle. Will, I know we got it out quick in the game, other than the two sacks when they brought blitz from the outside, but he could step up. He could step up in the pocket last night. And how many – pressures did Pascal have that was one of the guys you wanted to talk about well you know Pascal last night number four I mean he's a big time player I mean a big time player and I think he I didn't see him in the backfield much at all last night it was a quiet night for Pascal he had one pressure the whole ball game and look this guy's a monster and it goes back to something we were talking about I saw our friend John Carrero before the game and we were laughing about what we said on the pregame the problem is you can't assign the offensive lineman you want to the guy you know, you kind of got to declare first and go go line up. They decide where they want him. Did you notice they were putting him on the right side? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were keeping him away from Charles Cross all night long. And I go back to Lashley, you know, and, and Scott has, has taken his heat from a lot of folks, you know, from holding penalties or, you know, moving at the line of scrimmage. And that's something we, we need to talk about, too, about last night, how many false starts you had. But I thought Lashley did a really good job with one of the best pass rushers in the Southeastern Conference last night. The thing that hurts him grading-wise is the penalties. Right. And that penalties, look, that was just a problem for us all night long. We just were not – 
you know, I guess there's some talk. And here's what I don't understand. And I guess I need to go back and look. There's been a lot of talk about, like, Kentucky simulating the count. But, you know, so many times we're moving on the clap of a hands. You know, it's. So were they clapping their hands? That's the thing I want to know. I mean, were they clapping their hands? Were they, you know, there, there was a, there's such a thing of jumping in and causing a lineman to move, and then the foul is on the defense. And they did a lot of moving around last night right there at the snap of the ball. So the, the question becomes, were they clapping the hands? And then were they kind of jab-stepping and trying to get your guys to flinch? At the end of the day, you've got to stay stay still no matter what's going on across from you. So going back to Lashley, he allowed three hurries last night, didn't allow the quarterback to get hit, didn't allow a sack. So do you want the three hurries? No, of course not. The penalties ultimately are what really drive his number down. Um, LaQuinston Sharp had a good night blocking. Um, Charles Cross and, and Cole Smith was pretty good. I don't know. I have no idea where Dollar Bill was. I, I, I just don't know the answer. He I was out. Yeah, I don't know either. And So I don't know. But And, hey, here's the thing too, Charlie, is anytime this offense hits the field, you're going to leave stuff out on the field. It's just volume. I mean, you're going to leave plays out there. You're going to leave numbers out there. And, yeah, we left points on the board last night. We had penalties that took points off the board with that field goal because that's essentially what killed that drive. And then late in the game, you had some penalties when you scored the touchdown. That was the only time in the game last night that we did not score in the red zone is when the game ended. We were technically had gone into the red zone and the game ends. So really and truly, we were 5 for 5 last night in the red zone for 31 points, one field goal, four touchdowns. We were efficient when we got into Kentucky's red zone. All right, I want to talk quarterback play because <laughs> it, it happens, right? It's going to be talked about all the time. You, you of course, last night in the postgame shared your Jim Hatfield story, which is still one of the greatest stories to me. Yes. Um, but the idea where Hatfield, who coached basketball at Mississippi State in the late 70s, ran his practice one morning against five chairs to simulate the uh, Alabama zone defense. If we had put chairs out, as you had said last night, I couldn't complete 36 of 39. No. And look, Will actually had some big-time throws. He also had a drop in one of his three. Um, he was 36-9 and nine for 344 yards. He had a touchdown. It's the, what was it, an SEC record for completion percentage and somebody's thrown over 30 passes? Yeah, and here's the thing too, Charlie. If he'd have completed one more pass and gone 37 of 40, he would have set an NCAA record for passes over 40 for completion percentage. I mean, he had a night that was absolutely nuts. When you look at his numbers last night, and yeah, we didn't go down the field a ton last night, but we were successful when we went down the field. I go back to that point you made early in the season before the first game about you wanted a 40% completion percentage on balls in the air over 20 yards. I mean, he's blowing that out of the water. He was two for two last night uh, with a touchdown. And what so. was he in that 10 to 20 range? I mean that's that's where Will has been has gotten better as six the years of come. seven six of seven ten to twenty yards down the field, and uh, yeah you're not going down the field we start, we talk about volume and the percentage of throws yeah the percentage of throws and the volume's not and is is not higher, but man every time you go down the field, anytime you go between ten and twenty yards down the field, you're getting some big throws from Will Rogers and hey. 
I know all the talk about, and I don't want to come across as an apologist. And of course, I love Will to death. I've known the kid since he was you know, chasing balls at Winston Academy on the sideline. But let me tell you this: the 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 talk about the arm strength. He made some arm strength throws last night in the middle of the field. And so it's not like you got the wet noodle out there, right? You don't have Peyton Manning in his last year who's just flopping ducks out there. I mean, you had a guy last night. He that threw was, some good balls. Threw he had some big-time throws. That he had to fit in some windows. And, it, it, look, it's not about it being an apologist. It's about being realistic. He, how many games this year have we got, come out of saying, I wish we could trade for their guy? Look around the league. There are not many people that you say we're better with that guy. You know, Georgia, you want JT. I mean, JT Daniels can't even beat out Stetson Bennett the 90th or whatever he is. You know, you want A&M situation? That guy was terrible. I mean, I don't – look, either of us could start at Vanderbilt tomorrow. All we got to do is drive up to Nashville, ask for a uniform. <laughs> well, or that – play soccer. yeah. <laughs> that uh, you know, we'll. Th- that's just it comes with a part, and Matt talked about this last night. It comes with a part of being an SEC quarterback, because you do have a lot of folks who criticize, whether it be on social media or sitting in the stands that just don't understand. But here's my thing: How many times do Mississippi State fans go to the message boards, particularly go back two or three years? And just light up Troy Aikman. He's he's being totally unfair to Dak because Aikman would say, "Boy, Dak Prescott really missed an open guy right there." Well, and people would lose their minds defending Dak, <laughs> and they were right. What I'm saying is, as opposed to a pro, a kid who shouldn't be starting right now. I, I go back to this: he shouldn't be your quarterback, but he's had to be. And here's the other thing. And this is true all the way across the board. I woke up this morning much earlier than I'd hoped, rolled out of bed, and you know what? I didn't feel great, but I wasn't hurting. You're not completely cantankerous. No. How do you you think these guys are? This isn't just Will. It's all the way down. These guys deal with injury. It's not like they just rolled out of bed in the morning and think, boy, I feel great. Let's go play football. These guys are beat up. They're dealing with injuries, and I'm not going to cross any Mike Leach lines and get banned here, but to throw the football the way he did, given the things that he's been dealing with that have been reported by the Clarion Ledger and others, your statewide newspaper. I'm just glad they're reporting on something. You know, I thought it was a good performance. Now, he could go to Arkansas next week and have a bad one. That's just part of the development of a quarterback. The bottom line is I go back to this. I use the – analogy last night on the post game when you go to your stock broker if he hits on 10 picks and you lose on one stock you got a pretty good guy you know you can't dwell the the reality of it is you have to judge them on the whole portfolio not on any one particular trade same kind of deal yesterday we don't judge a golfer by one shot we would just shoot for the round and we have so many people who want to just lose their minds because we took a sack in the first half let it play out. That's my only thing. Let's let's see what the final final numbers show. Well, that was end, a good night. It was. And at the end of the day, like I said, we hate to you know beat our backs with the double jointed 
elbows, patting ourselves on the back about the numbers that we talked about on Friday. And, of course, on Friday, that was our Tracks Plus deep dig. Tracks Plus, they have Barco equipment for the Forester. They have the Sania equipment for the guys that need to move some dirt. They're selling all this great equipment. You talk about customer service. And here's the thing about any time you have an issue, and let me tell you this. If you deal with equipment, you're going to have issues. You're going to have something that breaks out in the field. And the great thing about Tracks Plus is they have a huge, they are tripling the size of their service shop in Hickory, Mississippi. And they have great mechanics that are certified. And let me tell you this, if anything goes wrong with Tracks Plus, they'll come get it, they'll come get it from you. And they'll bring it back down there and fix it, and they'll bring it right back to you. It's the same as when you buy one. They'll bring that thing to you. And that's the great thing about great customer service with Tracks Plus. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton over in Columbus. you got Ken Crosby down in Hickory, Mississippi. Grace Howell in Summit, Mississippi. And then Hoop Weems over in Alexandria, Louisiana. So Tracks Plus, if you're in the game of moving dirt with excavators, with any kind of a forestry equipment, but used equipment as well. They have a huge assortment of used equipment. One of the largest used forestry equipment dealers in the southeast. And so Tracks Plus are good friends down there. And we had our Tracks Plus deep dig this past Friday. And all these numbers were on our Tracks Plus deep dig. All right, Charlie. You talk about Arkansas next week. And, of course, we'll come back in the midweek and we'll talk about you know, the Razorbacks and Mississippi State, and then we'll have our Tracks Plus deep dig on Friday and get ready for a road game. But just looking back at this once again, we talked about this going in, about how big this game was. And we said it earlier in the show today. And I know, yeah, it's it's Kentucky, and it's not the big name of the SEC. But this is a good football team. Kentucky's a good football team. Now, are they a 6-1 and one top 12 team? Probably not. No, it's life in the East. Wouldn't you like to be over there some days? That's what I was about to say. It goes back to the point of winning the games at home that you have a chance to win and you should win. Dan's lost four over there. Hey, Mike Leach in his last 11 games is 7-4, and four, and Dan's 4-7. and seven. Hmm. And I'm, you know, hey, eh, strain. Yeah. Here's What's your biggest takeaway from last night? I thought the takeaway last night is – Kentucky has become the team, when you talk to SEC programs, that's kind of like us. And you brought this up Friday, and I thought it was a great analogy about how the programs have kind of flipped a little bit. When you thought of Mississippi State in the late 1990s, and you thought about Mississippi State, you know, in 2010, and give Dan a little bit of credit there, we were a blue-collar team. We were a blue-collar program team says, hey, we don't want to play Mississippi State because they play with a chip on their shoulder and they play blue-collar football. Kentucky has kind of taken that mantra. I give Mark Stoops credit there. He has changed the game at Kentucky. This is not a paper program anymore. They play hard and they play blue-collar. They play like guys who are from rural Ohio because that's what they are. Yeah. And I, and I give them credit for that. So I go to the point of a Mike Leach coach team. And what do we think when Mike Leach came in here? That this is going to be a soft program. We're going to run the air raid, and our defense is going to be paper tigers. But it shows you last night, we were more physical than a team that is known for being physical in the SEC. I thought we won the physical matchup last night. 
And so anybody that thought when you hire Mike Leach that you're losing your physicality, last night we out-physicaled a physical football team. The thing I take away is along those same lines, our defense. Kentucky last night ran 48 plays and had 216 yards of offense. 216 yards That's in crazy. modern college football. Yeah. That just doesn't happen. And that that is that's a phenomenal performance by our defense. And it has to do with a couple of things. Number one, I thought we were good up front. Number two, we forced turnovers. You know, Levis, you know, we talked about our quarterback a minute ago. Let's talk about theirs. Seventeen of twenty eight, hundred and fifty yards, a touchdown and three picks. That's a guy that a lot of people would love to have, but our defense made him look very pedestrian last night. Yeah, he's not going to use that game for highlights. No, 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 no. They're, he ain't going to be let's huddle the high school kids use. You know, they're <laughs> tweet out his highlights. Check it. Levis ain't going to have any of those last night. You know, his biggest highlight was carrying for a first down on that first drive, right? The third down play. Let me tell you somebody who has great highlights. Oh, here we go. Bank first. Man, you start looking at all the things they're doing right now, all the construction projects, all the commercial projects. Man, they, they're, they're hitting it out of the ballpark right now. One of the construction projects they're doing is their own bank here in Starville. Yeah. You notice it looks really good. It looks very, very good. Well, Whether it be mortgage, refinancing your mortgage, whether it be commercial lending, need a boat, need a second home, whatever you need. You need a second home in Starville. Come on up here and live with us. Go to bank first. Great people, great customer service. They are a growing bank. They continue to grow. And they're getting a big presence over in Alabama, but they've got a big presence in their home state, and that's right here in Mississippi. Say, for example, that I want to go to a Dallas Cowboys game over the Christmas holidays, and I got on StubHub and I realized that the tickets are prohibitively expensive. Can I call up Bank First? Is that what you're telling me? Didn't we do that for Omaha? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be paying – I am going to be paying for Omaha a lot like most people buy furniture, you know, $10 down, $10 a month. Oh, the, yeah. the only good news is they can't repossess my trip to Omaha. Hey, by the way, um, great to see the baseball team out there yesterday. And what was really cool, I, I'm a big fan of the new Mississippi flag. So you see the American flag run out, being carried by a player, the Mississippi flag, and then a national championship flag. I just didn't – I didn't think we were ever going to see that. No, not at all. Yeah, it was good to see the baseball team you know, recognized yesterday. Good to see some of the guys that are going on and, and are no longer here coming back. Everybody was back last night. That was great. They had the baseball reunion this past weekend. It was good to see a lot of older guys. You know, you hate to say older guys. They're still younger than us. I saw Mitch Moreland talk to him for a while last night and saw Chris Stratton and talk to him for a while, Jeffrey Ray and – just so many, uh, Kenny Kurtz, you know, there's so many different guys that, that came through the program that helped build this place and build this program, and they were all back this weekend. They had a golf tournament in the, in the rain on Friday, misting rain, and it was cold, and it was uh, it was good to have all those guys back. And we so, had a big former player uh, tailgate for football yesterday, too, sure which was nice. Yep, saw Porkchop Womack, and saw so many different older guys, man. And like I said, older guys that are still younger than us, which is which is so crazy to say. All right, real quick, where do we go from here? Where where do you see this thing playing out? First of all, let me ask you this. As we look around the SEC, I said yesterday that this was a crazy year where outside of a couple of people, anybody can beat anybody. It's very clearly going to be a game between Georgia and Alabama to figure out who wins this league. And if Alabama wins, they're probably both in the playoff. 
Yeah, and Georgia wrapped it up yesterday. With us beating Kentucky last night, Georgia is in the SEC championship game. I think it may be the earliest the team has ever gone in. And so they go on in on the East. Hey, you look everywhere else, Charlie. I mean, I look at us this weekend against Arkansas. And we talked about on Friday, we talked about yesterday, about nothing would surprise you. Hey, nothing will surprise me next week when we go to Arkansas. And once you get past Alabama and Georgia, as you said, I mean, you talk about throwing a bunch of teams in a hat, and they all look very similar. You're not throwing Missouri and Vanderbilt in that hat, are you? No, no. They're, okay. they, <laughs> they're, 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 they're the rappers that fell on the floor. <laughs> did you see the picture of their stands yesterday? Missouri and Vandy? Yeah. No, I, I, I did not, and I, I'm bless her heart. All right, so just pretend, if you will, that we decided to take Starwell High School Stadium and not have a game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's about the size of the crowd. Have a practice, have have a track practice going on and like yeah. tw- 12 parents and stands there's waiting like a, on their kid to finish up. Yeah, there's like a third grade track field day. Yeah. And half the kids had to stay home. You know, it's it was it was rough. Man, I wish we played Missouri. I wish we played more teams out of the East. That therein lies the situation, Charlie. There you is know, no equity in college football scheduling within the SEC right now. We are holding our program, and, and hey, this is that's what's great. About, that's the great and the bad is when you lose games and everybody goes nuts. You got to understand, we are playing in the top division of the top conference. I go back football. to what we talk about in baseball. You know, we lost to Arkansas. We came in here and said. Hey, there's a difference between the best and whatever we are. Good news is you see where you got to go, and we were able to get there. You see it every week in the SEC West. But imagine if instead of having Kentucky as your permanent East opponent playing over here in the West, imagine right now if we had Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt all on our schedule. That's what Dan does. Anyway, hey, don't want to harp on that too much. Hey, enjoyed it. It's always fun to come in here after a win. I appreciate you getting up early this morning. When the Saints are sacking Tom Brady later this afternoon, I will be thanking you. I will be live tweeting that game, and I will be celebrating every achievement of Mr. Brady. Will you? Okay. You're one of those. You're an anti-Saints guy. I thought you were an anti-Brave. I'm all the above. Okay. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee. Once again, thanks to our fine sponsors. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Startville for Strange Brew Coffee House, Bank First, and Tracks Plus, and, of course, the Mississippi Beef Council as well. And this is brought to you by the Mississippi Beef Council, the Mississippi Cattlemen, and their checkoff. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.